Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you guys are having a great Thursday so far um, this morning and a great week as we're progressing into the weekend. Oh, man, we're excited. Um, so today we are in 2 Samuel chapter 3. 2 Samuel chapter 3, and we're continuing with the uh, soap opera drama that is David's life. (laughs) So uh, we're going to continue. We've got some craziness coming up in uh, just this chapter alone. Um, And uh, it's really, it's, but it's continuing with that setup for David to fully be king uh, and then get on to the rest of 2 Samuel, that is uh, David's uh, kingship. And so uh, let's dive into this. Let's first pray, dive into our presence with the Lord, and then let's hear what the Lord has to say through his word this morning. Well, let's pray. Uh, Father, we just come to you this morning. We come to you with open hearts and open minds. Lord, as we, um, as we are paying attention to your word, as we're uh, trying to learn and hear from you today, Lord, we just pray that... Um, that your Holy Spirit, just something jumps out at us today that we get to grab onto, that we get to hold onto, that we get to uh, learn from, grow from, uh, and ultimately draw closer to you uh, as we continue to walk in love uh, you, Lord. Uh, Lord, I surrender myself to you that this be your message and not mine, uh, that you teach me as well as you teach all of those on this morning and also on the podcast. Lord, we just love you. Uh, we pray all this in your precious name. Amen and amen. Come on. So if you got some coffee or water or whatever, uh, grab that as we get going. Uh, I've actually got coffee and water this morning. All right. Again, Second Samuel chapter 3, we're diving in here. Uh, a little recap because you really need to know the context to understand <laughs> this chapter. Um, Again, a recap, if uh, you didn't hear it yesterday. So there is a war between Israel and Judah. This is a, if you will, a preemptive split to the great split uh, later on after David's reign uh, for the nation of Israel that's then split into northern Israel and Judah. Uh, But right now, this is like a a precursor, if you will, uh, to what is to come in the future much, much further on. Um, so this one all is, it's just happening. It's right after Saul's death, um, right? And there's a faction of Israel that says, yes, we fully recognize the anointing on David and David's kingship uh, appointed by the Lord. Uh, we are following David. And then there is that other faction that is saying, no, we are recognizing the bloodline of Saul. Uh, and that we are here uh, for Saul's son, uh, that's um, one of the surviving sons, uh, Ishbosheth. 
All right. And so he is currently that king. And there is a war between the two, um, uh, basically, uh, of those two factions going on right now for who is in ultimate control of Israel. Uh, and so let's dive in and we'll kind of remember and we're going to get some stories and things like that um, that play into the whole thing that's going on here in chapter three. But starting in verse one. Uh, That was the beginning of a long war between those who were loyal to Saul and those who were loyal to David. Uh, As time passed, David became stronger and stronger, while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. Verse 2, these are the sons who were born to David in Hebron. The oldest was Amnon, whose mother was uh, Abinam from Jezreel. Uh, The second was Daniel whose mother was Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel. The third was Absalom, uh, whose mother was uh, Micah, the daughter of Tamir, a king of Geshur. The fourth was uh, Adajah, whose mother was Hegeth. The fifth was was Shephitha, whose mother was uh, Abtal. The sixth was uh, Ethram, whose mother was Egla, David's wife. These sons were all born to David in Hebron. Verse 6, as the war between the house of Saul and the house of David went on, Abner became a powerful leader among those loyal to Saul. One day, uh, Ishbosheth, Saul's son, accused Abner of sleeping with one of his father's concubines, a woman named uh, Rispah, daughter of Aya. Abner was furious. <laughs> Am I some Judean dog to be kicked around like this? He shouted. After all I have done for your father Saul and his family and friends by not handing over, handing you over to David, is this my reward that you find fault with me about this woman? May God strike me and even kill me if I don't do everything I can to help David get what the Lord has promised him. I'm going to take Saul's kingdom and give it to David. I will establish the throne of David over Israel as well as Judah all the way from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. Uh, Ishbosheth didn't dare say another word because he was afraid of what Abner might do. Then Abner sent messengers to David saying, doesn't the entire land belong to you? Make a solemn pact with me and I will help turn over all of Israel to you. We'll get into this uh, shift of mindset of Abner. Um, All right. Verse 13. All right. David replied, but I will not uh, I will not negotiate with you unless you bring back my wife, Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come. David then sent uh, this message to Ithbosheth, Saul's son. Give me back my wife, Michal, for I brought, for I bought her with the lives of a hundred Philistines. So Ithbosheth uh, took Michal away from her husband, uh, Palti, son of Laish. Palti followed along behind her as far as uh, Baharim, weeping as he went. Then Abner told him, Go back home. So Palti returned. 
Meanwhile, Abner had consulted with the elders of Israel for some time now. He told them, you have wanted to make David your king. Now is the time, for the Lord has said, I have chosen David to save my people Israel from the hands of the Philistines and from all their other enemies. Abner also spoke with the men of Benjamin. Then he went into Hebron to tell David that all the people of Israel and Benjamin had agreed to support him. When Abner and 20 of his men came to Hebron, David entertained them with a great feast. Then Abner said to David, let me go and call an assembly of all Israel to support my Lord, the king. They will make a covenant with you to make you their king, and you will rule over everything your heart desires. So David sent Abner safely on his way. Verse 22, but then, <clears throat> but just after David had sent Abner uh, away in safety, Joab and some of David's troops returned from a raid, bringing much plunder with them. When Joab arrived, he was told about Abner, uh, that Abner had just been there visiting the king and had been sent away in safety. Joab rushed to the king and demanded, what have you done? What do you mean by letting Abner get away? You know perfectly well that he came to spy on you and find out everything you're doing. Joab then left David and sent messengers to catch up with Abner, asking him to return. They found him at, a, at the well of Sheer and brought him back, though David knew nothing about it. When Abner arrived back at Hebron, Joab took, <clears throat> took him aside at the gateway as if to speak with him privately. But then he stabbed Abner in the stomach and killed him in revenge for killing his brother, uh, Ashel. When David heard about it, he declared, I vow by the Lord that I and my kingdom are forever innocent of this crime against Abner, son of Ner. Joab and his family are the guilty ones. May the family of Joab be cursed in every generation with a man who has open sores or leprosy, or who walks on crutches or dies by the sword or begs for food. So Jab and Joab and his brother uh, Abishing uh, killed Abner because Abner had killed their brother uh, Ashel at the battle of Gibeon. Verse 31, then David said to Joab and all those who were with him, Tear your clothes and put on burlap. Mourn for Abner. And King David himself walked behind the procession to the grave. They buried Abner in Hebron, and the king of all uh, and all the people wept at his gravesite. Then the king sang this funeral song for Abner. Should Abner have died as fools die? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not chained. No, you were murdered, the victim of a wicked plot. All the people wept again for Abner. David had refused to eat anything on uh, the day of the funeral, and now everyone begged him to eat. But David had made a vow, saying, "My May God strike me, even kill me, if I eat anything before sundown. This pleased the people very much. In fact, everything the king did pleased them. So everyone in Judah and all Israel understood that David was not responsible for Abner's murder. The king, then King David said to his officials, don't you realize that a great commander has fallen today in Israel? 
And even though I am the anointed king, these two sons of Zeruah, Joab and Abishai, are too strong for me to control. So may the Lord repay these evil men for their evil deeds. The word of the Lord. All right. Welcome to uh, the soap opera of David. <laughs> There's a lot of freedom issues. Where are all my people that have been through freedom? Hopefully you recognized some of those people. Um, uh, some of those issues uh, throughout some of these people throughout here. Um, and, and I'm going to touch on, there's some weird stories. There's little sidebar parts in here, uh, that are just kind of like odd or whatever, but ultimately again, so there's this division that's going on. Um, and this really displays the heart of Israel that they're divided. They, they're trying to think for themselves instead of follow the God wants to do, right? There's that side that does want to follow what God is doing and doing in the life of David and anointing him as king. And then there's others that think I'm going to do what I think I'm going to do. And I'm going to continue to just blindly follow the uh, family line of Saul uh, when that's not what God's movement is, right? How many people do we know in our life? They, they know of God. They're not, not Christians, right? We, uh, we can't put this on non-Christians, but we, they're Christians. However, they're holding to, something of themselves instead of truly seeking and seeing God's movement and jumping on board with where God's moving. They're trying to like, no, I'm staying loyal to this, regardless of what God does, regardless of where I see the big movement, regardless of where I see the evidence pointing, I'm just sticking to this. And that's basically the mentality of uh, the other side of Israel here. We see that what also becomes is that, so uh, Abner becomes this bigger um, figure. Abner was on the side of protecting uh, the kingdom of Saul, that whole bloodline. And he was growing up in the ranks uh, in all of the fighting. So he's fighting against David for a long time. Uh and becomes a very mighty uh, general, basically, uh, within that side. But then, here's the big deal. Uh, or uh, Ishbosheth, excuse me, the king, Saul's son, he's losing gain. He's losing power. He's getting weaker and weaker. This is, you know, it's said right in, in verse 1. Um you know, as time passed, David became stronger and stronger while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. So he's starting to feel the pressure of I'm losing stature. I'm losing my position. I'm losing power. Um, clearly, God's not with this side of the house. God's not in accordance with this movement. Uh, God's not for it, clearly. And we see that God is with David. David's getting stronger. Um, the house of Saul is getting weaker. And so uh, Ishbosheth is sitting there freaking out, going, I'm going to lose my position. I'm going to lose my stature. I'm going to lose my influence. I'm going to lose all of this. And when we're under fear, fear makes us do foolish things. Fear makes us think weird, think foolishly. Fear makes us not understand uh, certain things and fear makes us believe things that just quite honestly aren't even true, 
but they sound true in the eyes of fear. In the eyes of fear. So then therefore, um, he comes up with this story. I don't know. We don't know where it came from. We don't know if he came up with it unnecessarily or it was told to him and he's just believing it. But one day um, he but he accuses Abner of sleeping with one of his father's concubines. And so there's just this level of like, you've been fighting for us and now you're you're trying to sleep with one of my four, my father's old concubines that is around. Which. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, this this is a really odd story or topic to have to be brought up during this scenario. But that's what fear does. Fear just get gets you latched on to even the wrong thing, to lose your focus, to lose your understanding. Uh, it, it just continued throws you into a whirlwind. Um, and so as we see, he gets hung up on this idea that this is what's going on and accuses him. Abner's been this loyal subject to him, you know, being part of this, regardless of if you're on the right or the wrong side, you're being loyal to one side and the people that you're being loyal to now turn around without figuring out if this is true or not, just straight up accuse you. And so there's automatically this like, wow, are you kidding me? This is how you don't even like, properly come to me and be like bro is this real like no he's just straight up accusing you and publicly accusing him and so he's just like forget you man like am i some weird dog to be kicked around like this as he says so then he switches sides now granted this is the right thing to do because god is on the side of david and we see this not only in just people that are godly and can hear god's voice and hearing it but we see it in also the, the David's popularity is growing. Healthy things grow, uh, unhealthy things die, right? And we're seeing that being played out exactly here. David, healthy, this is where God's moving. This is where God's hand and anointing is. David's not perfect. Don't get me, you know, trust me. There's some things even David's doing right now that are like not in God's favor. But overall, that's God's choice to go this way versus towards the line of Saul. And he's like making this switch, but he's not making the switch because he sees what God is doing. He's not making the switch to be like, look, God really is choosing David. I'm going to choose the side that God is moving on. He's doing it out of, uh, out of offense. He's making this decision through offense and through revenge like wanting to have revenge or wanting to get back at wanting to be in spite of all of those different adjectives that we can throw on it and those feelings. He's just saying, forget you guy, you're going to accuse me like this, something foolish in the midst of everything else that we're, that we got going on. I'm going to the other side, forget you and watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to ruin you for this everything you think you own i'm going to give it to david and so that's what he does so abner then sends messenger to david saying hey man um all of this really belongs to you i see that god is moving on your end um i i, I need to come talk to you 
let's go, let's have uh, some time to chat. And David says, no, hold on. That's cool. But we need to, I need you to prove yourself. I need you to prove yourself. I need my first wife back. So a couple, this is an interesting move. One, there's a level of David just misses his first wife. He really did love her. Um, he went to war. He he killed. It's and here it says a hundred, but actually back then, if you go to I think it's one Samuel fifteen. Um, back then, when he killed two hundred Philistines, uh, and uh, what a weird price! It wasn't just killing them, but it was also bringing their foreskins back. Um, good morning. How are y'all doing? We're talking about foreskins now. So, but, um, anyway, so that he bring that's like an unusual payment for a wife, but, um, wow, what kind of dedication that is, uh, as a guy and, uh, bringing in, uh, 200 dead foreskins to pay for his wife. And that, that's just love right there. I don't know. I think we're going to, I'm going to stick with chocolates though, for me, <laughs> um, but it, he, he gets, he wants his first wife back. And this is, so this is, I look at this as love. He wants his first wife back. This is a true love uh, relationship there. And then there's the other side of, um, you could kind of look at this as maybe he's trying to do like an olive branch because this is also Saul's daughter. So this is um, uh, Ishbosheth's sister. And he's saying, I, I want my love back, you know, there's a part of that this, you know, he honored Saul. He actually loved Saul and Saul's uh, son, Jonathan. And there's a level that this is a difficult time for David. Like, think of all the emotions he's probably going through. This is actually his father-in-law's side. This is his wife's family uh, and everything else that he's having to fight and having to uh, also with God's calling this is a really turmoilist um if that's not a real word but there this is a really uh full of turmoil with him uh full of craziness and an emotional roller coaster for david at this time like man why i'm fighting against my if you will my married into own family family i've honored i honored their death i honored their life i um i could have been very spiteful due to some actions that Saul came against me, but uh, he he still is choosing ultimately honor, uh, and he goes, I I want my wife back. So, and since she was taken away from him out of spiteful actions from Saul before, she remarried, uh, and so they go get her. Uh, they pull her out. Um, this dude, Apalti, loved her too. Uh, and he was weeping all the way uh, down the road halfway. And then Abner was like, go back home. So there's there's this little funny story here. But basically, this is kind of a level of, hey, Abner, I need you to prove yourself to me if you're really honestly flipping to my side because you've been fighting my guys forever. And it's kind of hard for me to believe. And so I, and this is kind of all the thoughts processes that I see that, you know, David's kind of working through. Uh, and there's a level that we should also 
who's ever kind of, hey, been against you, but then all of a sudden they're trying to buddy up with you. There's kind of a weird like trust issue there, right? There's kind of a level of, wait a minute, you're, you were talking smack against me, but all of a sudden now you want to be my friend. You know, what's the motive behind here? Is this genuine? And so he's trying to make sure that this is genuine. Abner then brings her in. And then meanwhile, Abner has consulted with elders for some time. And then basically David has a giant feast with them. Um, now we get into another offense. And there's and this really is a, a chapter full of offense. This is a chapter really dealing with a lot of people that are holding on to grudges, holding on to offense, um, caring more about the offense, the feeling of offense than the truth of the situation. And so we get into where Joab notices that Abner's there and buddying up with David. And they're having a feast and everything. And, and Joab comes back after uh, a raid with some of his guys. And he's like, wait a minute. What is going on? This guy has been fighting against us. This is the enemy. What's going on? You, and he runs and tells David, you know perfectly well that he came to spy on you and find out everything you're doing. And he's like, whoa. What's going on? This is crazy. And this crazy cat here, he's the one that killed my brother. He killed my brother. Now, regardless of the situation, his brother was actually attacking um, Abner. If we remember back to last chapter, Abner was actually being attacked um, by Ashel. And Ashel came after him and Abner's like, look, stop, don't, I don't want to have to kill you. Why are you chasing and coming after me? And he does, and Abner just he wins and he kills him, puts a spear through him. And so Joab is just, he doesn't care about the situation or the circumstances of the situation. Details matter, right? Definitely here. But however, offense has clouded the judgment. And Joab is like, I don't care what the situations are. You killed my brother. Th this is messed up. This harboring of offense clouds Joab to understanding the situations that are going on and to have cooler heads prevail. Again, offense, fear, all of this coming together. You know, lack of judgment, lack of discernment. Not inquiring of the Lord in any of this. I don't remember any statement I read in here that said, hey, they inquired of the Lord here. In any of this. And so Joab is just like, nah, I'm mad. Joab left David and sent his messengers to catch up with Abner in verse 26 and asked him to return. Basically, he, he twisted. Notice there's no response from David. When Joab goes to David and says, what are you doing? This guy's probably just a spy and he's trying to get everything out of you. No response from David. No messenger, no instruction to Joab, no anything. Now, it just wasn't recorded. I'm sure that there, in reality, there was probably some kind of response, but it wasn't worthy enough or anything enough to be recorded at the time. 
So we really have no idea what David did say, if he said anything or gave any instructions. Joab clearly went rogue, sends messengers out to Abner, asking him to return. Potentially, again, this is potential, probably signing it as if David was asking him to return. He basically set up an ambush for him, and then Abner, and then they stabbed Abner in the stomach, killing him in revenge for their brother. The spirit of offense is very, very deep in this chapter with these stories. The motive for switching sides that Abner did was due to offense. Joab killing Abner, all due to offense. Offense makes us do crazy things and think irrationally. We don't have a rational thought when offense has taken over. This is why it's very important for us to make sure that we don't let offense build up in our lives. Foolish things happen when offense just starts building up and building up. And then we start believing the fabricated truth that offense has built up in our mind. It starts changing uh, our perception. It's basically is that ultimate, if you're in the freedom curriculum right now, and hopefully you went through week one already, it's what tree of uh, are you swinging under? Are you under a tree of life? or knowledge of good and evil, and nobody said that knowledge was correct. It just says, I'm going to know good and evil. But offense can twist the viewpoint of what's good and evil. Clearly here, Joab had a twisted idea due to offense of what the right actions to do And Joab just, he ruins himself. Ruins himself by going after uh, Ahab or Abner and killing him. Don't let offense be this bitter root in your life that ultimately takes you down. Don't let offense be that bitter root that takes you down. And here, even David didn't even take, David just cursed him. But here's the other part that we see that David, even at the end, after the funeral and everything, David did not take vengeful action against them. He said, God, this is up to you. I'm trusting that you're going to have revenge on this that you're going to have judgment on this that you're going to have your way with this this evilness that joab and his brother did to abner here we see even again that character of david choosing to honor the dead as after uh, when abner or yeah when abner dies here David mourns the death and gets others to mourn with him, 
choosing honor because he could even he could talk crap too. He could sit there and say that look, Abner was fighting against our people and against what God's movement is all day. David David could have sat there just as much as he could have with Saul and went back and forth and saying how much uh, we're not going to honor them, we're not going to do a funeral for them, we're not going to do anything because of their actions. But yet at the end of the day, David honors again. His character is high. His choice of discernment and grace is high. He's not letting the spirit of offense override his character and good judgment. And he chooses honor as Joab chooses offense and chooses to feed into that, listen to it, have conversations with it. Some of you all know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had a conversation with the spirit of offense before in your head. You've had those conversations with the the offensive spirit in your head whenever you've dealt with something in your life and somebody's hurt you, somebody's wronged you, somebody maybe even perceived to have wronged you. And the spirit of offense has come in so heavily that you've sat there and had a conversation with it. And you entertained it. You entertained it too much. And you're probably thinking back going, wow, I entertained offense way too much. And it led me down a path I wish I never went. And maybe some of us right now are in a season of offense. Maybe we're dealing with offense right now. And this could be spiraling in your life right now. And maybe you, this is the, the podcast. This is the soaping for you to right now take a step back. Tell that spirit of offense, I'm done with you. I'm choosing grace today. I'm choosing honor today. Because offense is straight from the pit of hell and wants to take you down there with it. Don't let offense get the better of you. Don't let its roots ensnare you. Choose honor today. Choose grace today. Choose forgiveness today. Choose reconciliation because our God loves us so much that he sent his only son to reconcile a deep spirit of offense through our sin, but said, I choose to send my son to die, to forgive that so that I can have a relationship with you. So may we choose honor, may we choose grace, and may we choose forgiveness today. Let's choose the tree of life and not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's pray. Father, we just, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I I pray for anybody that's going through um, 
even even a small remnant of offense in their life maybe it's a boss maybe it's a spouse maybe it's man we can we can be offended at our own kids we can we can be offended by a friend or another family member lord it doesn't matter may we choose to inquire you come to you um may we choose honor today may we choose grace today may we choose forgiveness and lord may I remind like forgiveness is not saying that what they did against us is right or that we're going to forget it but it's saying i'm not going to let it hurt me anymore Lord, I just pray that you be in our hearts and our minds, soften us up, open our eyes, open our ears, uh, open our mind to understand your heart, your will for us. Lord, I pray for healing over those that are dealing with offense right now. May we choose honor today. May we choose your grace and your forgiveness. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that we get to do this and that we get to come to you. And it's all this in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Y'all have a great Thursday. Choose honor today. Make good choices. Talk to y'all later. This weekend, by the way, is heart for the house. Uh, we can't wait to really be making room for God. So please come on out this Saturday, 8 to 12. Uh, we'll be cleaning up and doing uh, some great uh, bonding together. There'll be breakfast available. So uh, see you all then. Take care. God bless. And see you Sunday as well.